Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas and the surrounding areas. People, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host, Dennis Simpson, as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. Remax of Hot Springs Village, the award-winning Remax of Hot Springs Village is the largest real estate office inside the village with over 30 full-time agents and support staff. Visit them to learn more about this beautiful place to solve your real estate needs. Call them today at 1-800-364-9007 or find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at 1-800-364-9007 or online at explorehsv.com. So, Bob, what's the craziest thing anybody's ever told you about their pet in the village? Well, there's a there's a big long list. I mean, I get one every day, but uh, the, the, one of the recent ones was the lady that said her doggy up all the time, and I said, "Well, how often do you feed him?" She says, "Well, six or eight or nine times a day." And I said, "Your doggy stomach can't take that, you know. Doggies have a one meal stomach. We still feed them twice a day because we're humans and we're stupid, okay? But uh, the doggies uh, they only need one meal a day." And uh, they'll beg you to death. I mean, people call me on the phone crying. What do I do? I said, what do you mean? She says, she just keeps looking at me. I said, well, go in the bathroom and shut the door. I mean, that's my story. Yeah, blindfolding. Quit, quit looking at me. Quit looking at me. And with that, we begin another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out. I'm Dennis Simpson. He's Randy Cantrell, and that is Dr. Bob Zapecki. It is a pleasure to have you back again, Bob. We've, we've been on different venues over the years, haven't we? Well, that, that's a polite, polite term for it, uh, Dennis. I, we don't call it venues anymore, but I think that's a legal term. Yeah. <laughs> that may be a legal term. We wanted to ask Dr. Bob what the challenges are of having a pet in the village, and Lord knows he knows. Give us a little background, Bob. How long have you been doing this? Well, I've been around 50 years in the village. Of number, this is number 19 years here. Yeah, so I'm a villager through and through. No, the, the, biggest, the biggest threat to villagers is uh, they, uh, they, they uh, walk their doggies on leashes and think they're safe. And the coyotes here just love to eat cats and dogs. I mean, and they do on more, ba- on more times than you can believe. But uh, that's the one thing is that putting them at risk like that. The second thing like that is overfeeding. They all feed their doggies too many times and too many treats. About 80% of what I see every week here is gastroenteritis, and it's from treats. And uh, the treat companies keep me in business, let's put it that way. <laughs> but he just keeps looking at me, Bob. I got to feed him. Well, you know, when I tell them they can't have any more treats, they burst out in tears. I mean, uh, you know, oh, really? those are... They, they, th- they thrive to feed their doggies a treat and get some return affection and all that stuff. And, uh, they, uh, they feed them too much and too often. Well, let me, let me cut into here just for a second, Randy, something you don't know, and probably that our guests don't know. Bob, if I walk past the restrooms and into the little room that we go back and do some procedures, there's a whole yeah. row of cages. And what are yeah. in those cages? 
those are my birds from hell. Uh, <laughs> every one of those was uh, given to me or forced upon me by families who lost the person that raised them, uh, even by a, a former Vietnam veteran who has uh, hep- hepatitis C, and uh, one that brought me a, a parrot, you know, Velveeta. She was smuggled in this country because she had psittacosis. If she'd been uh, quarantined, they would have discovered that. So really, I, I knew you. I knew you had cockatoos and parrots and whatever. I just thought you liked them. Well, I do like them in a sense until I have to pay the feed bill every month, <laughs> and then it's not funny anymore. Now, how many? How many of these critters are there? Seven. It's a haul full. I don't know what I'm going to do if somebody tells tries to give me a bird here. I I don't have any more room in that haul and. Uh, it's it, it's a lot of work. If my my people love these birdies, and they clean them twice a day. I mean, uh, if I had to clean them twice a day, I'd just open the door and let them outside, and let them go. You know. So a I lot just, of people give you the bird, is what I heard. No, they're better than that about it. In the in the village, they don't give you the bird. They call their three friends and talk all about you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, innuendo ranks among the well, innuendo and out the other. No, I got it. I got it. I got it. Got Let's it. talk about puppies and kitties. Now, you, you've done this for what, 19 years in the village, you said? Yeah, 19 in the village and 50 total. It's always a pleasure to see new puppies. Uh, most of them are, are done uh, well. The ones I see, obviously, are done right. Uh, but a lot of puppies that I see, unfortunately, indirectly uh, develop parvo because they weren't vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how you miss that one but people don't vaccinate their puppies or they give them one shot and think it's over and it's not uh the three puppy vaccination is the safest most effective thing we have and uh i see a lot of puppies at six months who had one shot when they were little and they have parvo now and so it's a uh, it's a disease that you can hold off but you can't prevent it it's it's in their systems their whole life so do people just not know? Well, I say I've, I've, I've gotten so sick and tired of all this that I just say people are people. How's that? Because uh, there, you'd be the, if you lined up 50 people and asked them who knew, knew about Parvo, there'd probably be two. And I don't know why. It's all over there, the Internet and, and the papers and everywhere. But uh but as far as the number of vaccinations, I mean, do, and I realize that sometimes, you know, people will gift puppies to yes. people, which I personally hate with a passion, but, yeah. but people do it. And then the person, the recipient has no clue, has no clue what to do. Is that part of the problem as far as the number of that's vaccinations? A, that's, that's the biggest problem. They'll believe this, this honky tonk that they've never met in their life and handed them a puppy. And they won't believe me. Okay. So, no, uh, the, the the biggest lie in the village, other than I paid my taxes, okay, is uh, uh, he's had all his shots. Okay. That's the uh, biggest lie there is. And uh, 90% of those puppies could be safe with just two or three vaccines in a row. So it's, they don't come with owner's manuals, I hear tell. So no, give us give don't. us the rundown. They, what, they'll what, believe whatever that person told them. The guy in the uh, parking lot at Walmart or the guy in the back of the pickup truck, they'll believe everything he says. Yeah. So, and so what's the proper procedure? What do we need to do? Well, six weeks, eight weeks, and 10 weeks. If they get three powerful boosters, 
I don't see them ever for Farwellson, ever. Well, you talked about one time on another show, you, you talked about how parvo affects other animals too. I mean, like foxes and. Well, there's a parvo virus in every mammal on earth, whether it's an elephant or a fox or a coyote, and they don't transmit them to other breeds, but they're all, there's a parvo virus in every breed on earth of mammals. Um, and until the 50s and maybe all into the 60s, it was not a problem. But uh, in 1960, uh, 72, I had a fellow with a gorgeous Akita go to a, to a uh, AKC show. And he brought the doggy back home and it threw up a little bit. He brought it in and it died, just flat died. And when we sent it to the pathologist, I said, Parvo, I said, Parvo, we know all about that. What, what's going on? Well, in the pet shows and in in sometime in the 70s, Parvo started being transmitted and uh, it never stopped. It never stops. Pet shops. As a professional, what what's your what's your opinion? Well, it's the biggest destruction of all. I mean, all of those things. They, uh, well-meaning or not, most of them don't uh, vaccinate them properly or with the wrong. See, the vaccines you buy at the feed store, you don't know how long it sat on the shelf up there. And uh, just in my profession, when we order vaccines, they come in a cooler with a the little thermostat in there. And if it's too warm, they'll send me a whole nother cooler. I mean, the vaccines, they're, they're unstable uh, is the best way to describe it. And if they're not handled properly, they'll get it. And I know a lot of these breeders, they all vaccinate their doggies. And the vaccines they use are, uh, are good vaccines, but there's no telling what, how they were handled. A lot of them don't know how to give the shot either. Uh, I didn't so, know that. So once the, the animal has parvo, you... you can you simply give them something to repress any allergic reaction later or how does this no, work? It's not like that. They all have parvo when they're born, they get it from their mother, but her first nursing, which is the only one is has 80 or 90% of the antibodies against parvo and everything else that the mother was exposed to. So if you have a litter of puppies and one doesn't get a meal, you know, in the first nursing, you can't, you don't know that. And uh, that's why at four, five, or six weeks they get parvo and die. But the uh, and the vaccines don't work before six weeks. Tell that to all these people, okay? Because uh, there was even a point when there was desperation, and we were giving them at four weeks and six weeks, and and they were still dying. And it turns out that uh, there's a as a nullifying effect of giving a vaccine to a puppy before it's six weeks of age. Six weeks is when they're supposed to be immunocompetent. And some of them aren't. I mean, uh, some of them, no matter what you do, they're going to catch something and die. But for the most part, the greater part, about 93%, will respond to the three vaccines. But no, they're born with parvo. They get it from their mother. Wow. And so, the mother's immune to it. So, but, so let's, let's say we have a one- to two-year-old dog. We're through the parvo. We, we've been giving them the early shots. Well, that heartworm, it just doesn't seem to go away, does it? Well, it never will until we get rid of all these mosquitoes in the village, okay? Uh, not sure how that'll work, but uh, uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny because the great, the great denial in the village is there's no fleas in my house. Well, do you have a dog? Yes. Did you take him out every day? Yes. Well, ma'am, you have fleas. And they get violent out here with me about that because they consider it like a personal insult, but I said, ma'am, if you're going to live in the South, you're going to have fleas and ticks. They've been here longer than we have. And they, 
they're going to be around forever. And uh, uh, frankly, the, this new chewable uh, Brevecto has really wiped out this problem. I mean, it is just wonderful. I almost have a normal practice now. But uh, the, uh, the the flea and tick matter, if, if, if a villager doesn't have their house treated quarterly and have their animals on flea and tick medicine on a monthly or, you know, three to a month basis, they, they'll never uh, tell me they don't have a flea in their house. One lady brought a big dog in here the other day and she said, he doesn't have any fleas. So I sprayed them all over with Adam's flea spray. About 600 fleas came out of his hair. She says, oh my God. And I said, that, I told you, you know, that's it. So it's not like there are, all people in the village are also in denial. You know, most of them are from up north. So they're in denial about fleas and ticks. But uh, it's just that the fleas and ticks are going to be here year round. And uh, we may have two weeks with a low, below 30 degree temperature or something. And all they do is sit and wait until the temperature goes back up. You can't kill them with cold. Okay. Yeah. The, the ivermectin and, and I mean, this stuff, uh, this is the first time back when we had Cisco, a little Sheltie mix, sure. we didn't really worry with that ter- terribly much. And he, he wasn't a big, there wasn't a real problem with him, but I understand. I mean, there was the occasional stint, but with scraps, our, 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 uh, our, our chow shepherd mix or chow uh, Australian shepherd mix, man, this ivermectin is ma- literally seems magic. What does it do? And is it safe? I mean, I've given well, this dog it, a pill that I don't have any fleas and ticks anymore. Well, How's- yeah, yeah the, the pills aren't that effective in doggies. They're maybe 30% effective. But um, the avermectins are just uh, excretions from a certain bacteria. And uh, I rem- and 73 was the first time they came on the market. And I bought a bottle because at that time I was giving worm shots to cattle and most of them weren't working. And you had to also dose them orally, which was really exciting. But uh, um, the ivermectin, when it came out, I gave a sub two shot that cow. We let her out of the chute. She took three steps and dropped over. I thought, oh my God, my career is over. So early. <laughs> so early. Well, uh, the dose had it was adjusted by the company. But ivermectin, listen, I got to sell a lot of ivermectin to people here on the phone, and they're calling me from Texas and everywhere. Because it really does stop uh, COVID. Uh, oh, it's amazing. There's no doubt about it. And uh, the uh, the communist Chinese don't want everybody to know that. But uh, no, uh, but ivermectin, uh, it's 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 just called a parasiticide. It it, it kills uh, it kills the uh, the, the demodectic mange, and it kills the the baby heartworms. Okay, and it also does a lot of other things too. They're finding out, but. Uh, it's just a simple excretion of a bacteria. Of course, so is penicillin, but uh, but the ivermectins are great things. And I uh, I have a little bit up here. Like I'm treating a doggy right now for heartworms, and uh, it annihilates the baby heartworms that are still in the body. Now they aren't going to mature in that body, but they'll also mean they won't go to anybody else. Now is this injectable? Is this? Yeah. Yes. There's an injectable. Okay. It's used orally by the liquid is also squirted orally in the dog's mouth. I don't do that because it's not very effective, but uh, no, it's an injectable and you do it once when a doggy has, uh, well, like I'm treating a sarcop, a a demodectic mange doggy right now. And ivermectin kills the mange mice. Go figure. Hmm. Nobody knew that, you know, but no, the, the injectable, uh, 
we it's also a, a heartworm preventative in mexico the veterinarians down there give an ivermectin shot every three months to all of their their uh, clients dogs because the um hard guard and all that are just too expensive and people won't do it yeah well i can see that let me tell a story about dr bob real quick randy to give you a sec you see you this finger <laughs> you see that finger yeah, yeah. i uh what's it been bob four years ago yeah, I, I, I took uh, our little dog, Cisco, and we just gotten scraps probably been three years ago. We took him to a groomer and the groomer had a new pit bull there. Sounds ominous already, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And everybody was getting along and it was all a good time and it was all wonderful until the pit bull turned and grabbed my little 17 year old Sheltie by the neck and shook him like he was going to kill him. And my Sheltie, who didn't crap crap off anybody, turned around and bit the pit bull and would not let go. When the story is done, you, you can see this now, Bob. You can see Cisco, this little 39-pound, wiry, little Sheltie mix, hanging on to that oh. pit bull and will not let go. Oh, yeah. No, no. So I, believe I, it. I slipped my hand in there for a split second like an idiot and took my own dog's mouth off the other dog that had bit him. Little did I know his shoulder was dislocated. We went to, we were trying to get to Memphis. We called Dr. Bob. Bob, it is uh, 1135 on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Randy, would you like to know what Bob said? I'm leaving church. I'll be there in 15 minutes. And he was. <clears throat> mm. Well, here's the thing. I'm the only vet in Arkansas, literally, that'll talk to you anytime, night or day on the phone. I'm the only one. I wish they were all like that, though. I mean, it's a dying greed out there. Uh, I, 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 it's, it's embarrassing to me about my profession that they're all just becoming, uh, uh, I don't know what they're becoming, but they don't talk to their clients and they're not open on weekends and they don't answer their phone. It's a disgrace to the profession. Now we have an emergency room in Little Rock and they do a good job. Right now they refer a lot of stuff to me from down South Arkansas because people don't want to drive 150 miles to a that because it may die the animal may die so i take a lot of that off their back but still i i'm the only vet in this whole area i sent letters to everybody here and told them i would take their calls for them refer the animals back to them if nothing else not one answer not one answer from any of them and none of them take emergencies none of them all that stuff on on front on front door or whatever is such a joke all those women saying, oh, Dr. So-and-so, he answers his photo. That's not true. Uh, none of them do. They, they just don't want to talk to you. And uh, sending some of your clients 60 miles to an to a emergency clinic, to me, that's an insult. Okay. So I take them all for now. And that's not all good. A lot of them jump on me and chew me out but because they're mad at their vet. But the point is, is I'm not going to let the animals suffer for, for want of a human frailty. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I do here, but, uh, well, I don't know how much longer I'll be able to what, do it. What, kind, what Dr. Bob, what kind of scope and scale is, is trauma like that? I mean, like, how, well, I've got to tell you, the rest of the story oh, in just a minute. Yeah. Cause yeah, well, go it, ahead. it's beyond, it's beyond belief. Well, we walked in, Dr. Bob comes in, Cisco's laying on the table. He's 16 to 17 at this time. Bob takes a little plunger, like an acupuncture, like a, a, yeah. a, a chiropractor plunger, a manipulator. Yeah pops him down his back and he's been in shock. His shoulders dislocated. He's in a ton of pain. He won't do anything. And he went <gasps> and he was just fine. Now this was yeah. a Lazarus moment for a few minutes as Bob explained until he well, gets him is. patched it up is. and get it put back in. 
But Bob, we both thought that dog had seen better days and he lived another two years. Yep. Well, you know, Dennis, that kind of reflects on your future too. I mean, uh, there's people that don't know how long you'll be around, but I think you'll be around till you're 87. I don't know. That's, I like that number. I like that. And as long as well, Randy said, as long as my health holds out, I'm good. Well, I don't know if your wife can take it that long, but, uh, but anyway, no, uh, the, the, the myofascial release little instrument, all it does is adjust the little vertebrae and takes the compression off of them. And I've had paralyzed dogs brought into me and we treat them with that and they stand up. So it's, it's really a great instrument and it doesn't hurt anything. Yeah. So I use it for a diagnosis and treatment a lot, but no, uh, 80% of what I see is trauma. Uh, mostly from doggies getting bit up by other doggies and hit by a car, hit by a truck, whatever, falling out of a car. I get a lot of that. Uh, and uh, well, for the most part, they get well. So well, I, I think, I think we, we can't go down this path without telling the story. Tell the puppy that you have in your back room right now that when he brought, they brought him to you, there was an arrow through his head. Would you explain that story, please? Oh, you mean Lucky Jack? Lucky Jack. Yeah, he came into me comatose on a Saturday morning. Three boys, 14-year-olds or so, brought him from Jesseville. And, and I, I thought he was dead, but he wasn't. And so, I mean, I have a whole uh, movie I'm putting together on that, by the way. Uh, but uh, I managed to revive him, and I kept him here. There actually was an uh, arrowhead lodged in his head in front of what's called the cribiform plate. That's where you smell it, okay, in your nose. And uh, so it didn't hit any vital organs, but it was lodged in there. And so we, he had heartworms and everything else too. So we treated him for three months, and then I sent him to LSU, and they removed the, uh, the arrowhead. And that's on my wall. It's, it's the coolest thing I've ever done. And he's still here. Hey, Jack, now he's sleeping right well, you said the other day when he, he only had a problem when he sneezed. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, uh, he can't chew on anything because it gives him a fit of sneezing because that, that injury in the upper uh, right jaw, uh, it's, it's healed, but it's not perfect. So when he bites, if he bites down, it'll cause him to sneeze uncontrollably. So we don't do that anymore. Oh, mercy. No, he gets up and goes outside and comes back in, Dennis. I mean, you can't ask for more than that. It's amazing. Talk to, to so talk to us about because you've you've mentioned a number of things that I'd, I'd like to I'd like to get your opinion on. Sure. So we we carry our dogs we carry our dogs around. You talked about dogs being hit, but you also talked about dogs falling out of falling out of cars and whatnot. Safest way for us to transport our dogs if we take them with us? Well, in a crate in the back seat. I mean, uh, there's nothing safer. Uh, and, uh, it, it isn't so much that they fall out of cars. I mean, that's usually somebody from the hill people that rolls the window down too far, but you no know, villages are acutely uh, careful about their doggies and kitties. And that's what, what matters the most. And, uh, uh, they, but the kitties, uh, if they're going to transport them, they should be in a crate because, uh, one of my clients and her husband were driving out to Arizona and they had the cat in the car with him. And I said, well, you better put him in the crate. Oh, no, no, he's okay. He climbed up on the dashboard and urinated down through the speakers and shorted out all the electrical in that car. And they had to stop at some God knows place in Arizona to get all that repaired. And uh, I'm sure the, the smell never went away, okay? 
but no, you the, letting a cat loose in the car, you might as well expect something bad to happen. But in a crate, an animal in the car is safe. Now, these new ones with the straps across the front, those are fine too, but you have to pick their doggies. Not all doggies handle that very well, okay, the safety belt. So, but no, that's uh, in traveling with the, and the other thing is don't feed them before you go because they'll bring it back to you within two hours on the trip, okay? And uh, cat vomitus does not smell good and it lingers in your car for a long time, okay? So I'd have, I advise them the night before to take up their food. Now all the water they want, but take up their food and, uh, uh, and then when they travel, don't feed them until you get there. The village is always worried about their animals starving to death. I've never seen a dog from the village or a cat starve to death. They're all obese, okay? And that's the way it is. But uh, they somehow feel that if they don't feed them one or two or three times a day, they're going to die of starvation. And so I'm waiting for the first one to go. Okay, <laughs> I haven't seen one yet. And uh, anyway, that's the main thing with uh, traveling with the animals. Talk, from- well, talk to us uh, then. Talk to us about the about the diet. So, well, so what's your suggestions the- for diet? Well, there's no bad diets out there. Uh, the problem is the frequency of ingesting something. And what people just don't understand is that a doggy stomach is a one a day stomach. It's not two a day, and it's not one a day and five treats, because each time they get a treat, the stomach produces the same amount of acid as for a meal. It isn't a qualitative thing. And so sooner or later, all that acid that's pouring down the intestinal tract gets the pancreas all upset, and they start vomiting and having diarrhea. So if if everybody would have one meal in the morning or evening, either one, and then yogurt on the opposite end, uh, whatever kind they like, they always ask me that. And I said, well, ask your dog because they'll tell you what kind of yogurt they like. But if they'll do that, 90% of this will all go away. Of course, I'll be poor, but I'm, I'm not complaining. <laughs> but I know. Yeah, 90%. but you, you and I, but, yeah, but we know people aren't, people aren't going to, they're not going to do it. Well, no, they're not. And uh, they get into big fights at the house about this and everything because the husband usually flips them something while he's watching TV like a Cheeto or something like that. Dry dry dog food or not or what, what what's your opinions about well, that? Well, it doesn't matter. The, the dry dog food or canned dog food is fine. Those new things that look like uh, liver loaf uh, they are getting to be real popular. The problem is they're not made here. They're made in another country, and uh, I get a report about every month in my journal about salmonella poisoning from a certain brand, recalling all the stuff. It's see they make it then it's supposed to be refrigerated and then it's supposed to be refrigerated in the store and then it's supposed to be refrigerated when they take it home. There, 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 is, a, there is a problem there. I mean, if there's, that isn't totally perfect, uh, they can feed their doggies some salmonella and they're getting really sick, okay? I don't recommend them myself. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just too uh, iffy. I, I like real safe things. Dry food, fine. Canned food, fine. And that's it. Um, and, and nothing else. Um, now, I do use cimetidine a lot. You may not have heard of that. It's Tagamet uh, generic. And uh, boy, does it help these doggies with all these problems. I can clear up pancreatitis, gastritis, gastroenteritis with just this little bit of Tagamet. So we, I, I recommend anybody that comes in with a case of this for their doggies of gastroenteritis, I know they're going to have it again, whether it's out of habit 
or behavior or the dog's pancreas. So if they go on a cimetidine, which cuts the acid in the stomach by half, then uh, in 10 days, they're real happy doggies. Should we eliminate treats altogether or is there? Yeah, should. I mean, I, maybe when they're one or two, you can give them a treat. But a lot of these dogs are six, seven, and eight. That's when they start having these problems. And uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with treats, but that's the frequency. And uh, it doesn't matter if it's an itsy-bitsy treat or a great big treat. The stomach doesn't know the difference, okay? And uh, that's all I see. Now, I have a lot of people that won't do that, but uh, it's fine. I see them again in a few weeks. And the dog- but Bob, Bob, he keeps looking at me. He keeps looking at me. Well, and I've had people with tears call me on the phone. What do I do? I told you, go in the bathroom, shut the door again. That's only, I'm sure you spend some time in there anyway. Just go in there more often. That's all. Okay, let's rewind. So you've been in the village 19 years, but you've been practicing way longer than that. Yeah. So where were you before the village? Well, I went to the U of I, Illinois, in, 70, in 69 to 73. And then I went into practice in Florida, and then I went back to Illinois, and I went from Illinois to uh, Corning, Arkansas, uh, and practiced both in Missouri and Arkansas on the border there, and uh, and in uh, and in, in, a, in a little town called Piggott, I had a satellite there, and I had one in Rector, Arkansas, and so after I wrapped all that up, I moved to the village. I actually had an appointment with Dr. Poole. They got me here in the first place, and then that lasted about a year, and then I just went out on my own, and that's it. I've been here ever since, and I have to tell you, villagers are the most gracious people on earth. They really are, and I appreciate that very much. In my house call practice, I had more cakes and cookies and tea and coffee than you could even hold a stick to, and I I mean, it was all – I never saw a villager's house with even a dish in in, in the sink. These people are really, really clean. And maybe Dennis is different, but they're really, really uh, clean people. They keep a good house, and they take great pride in their homes. I mean, uh, Well, that's why they're so I, offended when you tell them their dog's got fleas. Well, uh, <laughs> they'll never get over that, okay? Uh, uh-huh. so there's a, I give them a choice. You can move to Alaska, or you can stay here and treat the fleas and ticks. Most of them still have decided to stay here. Okay. Yeah, smart. Okay, was home Illinois? Did you grow up in Illinois? Well, no, I was a World War II baby. So my I was born in in uh, Fitzsimmons Hospital in in Colorado, and my dad was stationed in Newfoundland and uh, somewhere else. Yeah, at Scott Air Force Base in Illinois, and so I we moved around. Okay, and but then I moved on. My dad was killed in a plane crash. We moved back to. St. Louis and my mom uh, raised us there in uh, in that area. And I how, how old were you when your father passed away? Fourth grade. Fourth wow. grade. My. Yeah, and uh, so I. Uh, well, I'm sorry for that. Oh. In my high school years, I was in East St. Louis. It was a good time there. It was now, have you been? In, have you been in the village? So, if you've been in the village 19 years, yeah. would it? Have you lived anywhere longer? No, no. Uh, uh, the the world record was uh, fifteen <laughs> years in uh, in uh, Corning, Arkansas, before I moved here. Seventeen. This is the longest I've been anywhere. Yeah, that's uh, awesome, Dennis. No, the village is the 
wonderful place, as you all well know. I mean, I when I when the first day I came here, I thought, my God, I didn't think places like this still existed, you know. And uh, people were so gracious and all. And I uh, I really uh, I really got a kick out of this place, and I still do. I mean, I've got some real nasties over there who hate me, and they hate America and everything else. But I, they don't matter. Uh, uh, my detractors are in with two hands, and my supporters are in a lot of more hands than that. Well, Dennis and I have we have learned the tr- the, the truism: in order to be loved by by some, you got to be willing to be hated by a few. So there's that. Yeah, well, there's always rock throwers. You, you're always not getting out there. That's the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, well, I think it's time for the lightning round, Randall. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to before we get in trouble here. Yeah, okay. we, we all right. These are really quick and painless, Doctor Bob. Hiking, right, hunting, right. hiking, hunting, fishing, or golfing. Who? Me? You? Yeah. yeah. Well, I golfed for three years and threw all my clubs in the in the field, <laughs> and then I, uh, I, I didn't ever hunt here because there was no nothing for me to do. But I did fish for three years until I threw my shoulder out. So I'm. I'm I'm out of all of the normal things that you do here. Okay. I did play tennis with my son. I was Well, we'll say we'll, uh, it looks like hiking by default then because <laughs> you still are walking. You're mobile. <laughs> oh, 100 foot a fun 100 foot hike, but not anything more. A 100 foot hike. No, no, foot. some young lieutenant from the uh, reserves that went hiking with me on that little bitty trail up beyond the ranger station. I couldn't make it back. He had to help me back to the car. All right, it's the lightning round, Doc. It's the lightning round, Doctor Bob. That means kind of just quick and <laughs> we, we just hamburgers, tacos, or pizza. None of them anymore. I mean, I'm a, oh man, look at him. Salad, nothing but salad. You know, we're gonna get, we're gonna get you. We're gonna get you a radio show. You need a you need a radio show. You need an you need an outlet is what you need. Beaches or woods? Beaches or woods? Beaches or woods? Beaches. Beaches, as in a sandy beach on the ocean. Oh, oh no! Well, or I woods. like beaches, but I don't want to live near one. I've been, I did that once <laughs> in Florida. It wasn't much fun. It was miserable. All right, I'm going to keep trying. I'm, I'm, I'm batting zero, Doctor Bob. Go, Randy. Go, go, Randy. Go. I, I don't give up easily. Okay, favorite day of the week. Oh, Sunday. Favorite city in the U.S. besides the one you live in? Hmm. Well, if it was in the 70s, 60s, it was Denver, okay? But not anymore. Right now, uh, well, I don't I don't have a favorite city. I don't go anywhere anymore. I mean, I, oh, that's fair. Think, I'd have to think back. San Diego in 63 was a beautiful city. <laughs> they're all time sensitive. They're do you all, have a nick, do you have a nick do you have a nickname? Zep. Zep. Z-E-P. Yeah, there you go. Short for your last yeah, you name. You know there's a Zep company. I didn't know that, Dennis. Oh yeah. And, yeah, I yeah. found one of their golf balls that says Zep on it. I said, "Damn, look at that. Somebody's <laughs> using my name on a golf ball." <laughs> okay, you've got an hour to do nothing. What are you going to do? Sleep. <laughs> favorite holiday favorite holiday oh uh easter and christmas well two of them christmas and easter yeah your very first job 
Well, I was in the Air Force four and a half years. I mean, does that count? Or uh, well, of course it counts. But and thanks well, for your service. But as a kid, as a kid, did you you know oh, you have a, a teenage? Well, no, I worked in my grandfather's grocery store. No, I stocked shelves and hauled stuff, and we made uh, we made deliveries in a two door back door Ford uh, kind of carry all, and uh, we gave people their groceries and they ordered them over the phone. So, do you play a musical instrument? Oh, I used to play the trombone, but that was back when I was a teenager. Nothing were, you, were you in a Were you in a marching band? Yeah, yeah, we uh, the high school band. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's they put cool. the trombones in the front. I never I always wondered yeah. why, Dennis, until I saw how that slide goes. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay, describe your favorite meal. Ah, uh, jeez. Well, actually, just uh, 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 scramble eggs and uh, and uh, bacon or scramble eggs and uh, corned beef hash. I mean, that's my favorite meal. All right. I don't eat it anymore, by the way, but it's my favorite meal. Very first concert. Did you go and see any live musicians? Yeah, The Who. Ooh. Mm, look at him. What year and was eight, that, Bob? What year was that? Uh, second or third year of vet school. Who came to U of I? Oh, oh wow. I saw Elvis Presley's last conference. Uh, all his planes were parked out at the airport, and I was taking flying lessons, and it had uh, TCB. And I thought, well, what company is that? And the guy said, no, no, that's Elvis's planes. He had three of them there. I, I, I guess got in at the beginning of, of the, in the back, but I couldn't get a ticket, so I just listened to him. A little. But, you know, up to that time he died, he, he, had, he developed a wonderful voice eventually eventually if you you may not notice his first job was in uh Paragold, arkansas at riley's pig it was a small little restaurant with a stage and he used to drive up from memphis for 25 bucks and sing for that guy okay that's when he was a nobody so there's a little oh yeah and johnny cash was born here i don't know if you know that or either but no we got a lot of a lot of that in this in the state here i'm very proud of the state i I mean, I'm as much a native as anybody could be. So, all right. Well, that leads into the next one. Favorite sports team? Well, it might lead into the next one. Well, the Razorbacks. I mean, yeah, well, there you uh, go. this year, this year, yeah. not every year, not every year. <laughs> right. right when they're doing well. We, we were doing... proud of them this year. We were proud yeah. Of them. I normally ask people dogs or cats, but it doesn't seem fair to ask you that because we're going to alienate oh, one I have half. Both. I have so. a kitty named Sammy and a doggy named. Yeah, there you go. Okay, I always cake. have one or two of each. Cake or pie? Pie. What kind? Oh, uh, pumpkin. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? Well, I I sleep for an hour and a half and I get up, and I sleep for an hour and a half and I get up. So Look I, at you. I we're it, birds of a feather, Doctor Bob. We're we're twin. We're practically well, twins. I think it's a sign of genius myself, but nobody <laughs> believes me. I uh, completely agree. I think you're. No, I think. But, but I think uh, you're onto something. I, I get maybe four and a half hours of actual sleep a night, and then during the day, my my staff lets me go in my bedroom, <laughs> and I put in an hour here or there. But uh, actually, I've adapted to it. So what kind have of, you have you have you done that for a long time? That that well, ninety last, minutes at a time. Last, last nine years, yeah, yeah. Okay. Before that, I slept all the time, but. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see. I've, what what you described is I've done for years and years and years. Okay, yeah. we got to keep going. Favorite article of clothing? 
Oh, my scrubs. All right. Last one. Favorite quote. Oh, uh, it's a, it's a, I don't think it's in the Bible. It says, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. <laughs> no, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> no, I didn't think so. Are you sure? I I'm, never are you sure, Randy? I'm positive it's not in the Bible, but I, but I like it anyway. Well, it's, I've been, I live by that. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. I hope he likes me. I, I that's hope good. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm certain. I'm certain that's true. I'm sure. But apparently not as much as he likes you because you're his favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. See, I, got, I said that. He didn't say that. <laughs> well, I, I, I got to say, I got to say, I got to say this particular thank you to Randy because you know we're coming up on 100 sessions, buddy. And I drag you in front of people and you go, uh, who's this again? Some of them. <laughs> Some of them I know, like Dr. Bob, will be extraordinarily entertaining. Other- Dennis is a two-edged sword. Okay, <laughs> you have to be on the right edge to be in the right place with you. Yeah. Well, the problem is it's hard to tell which side's which. I understand that. <laughs> they look alike. They look alike. <laughs> no, I was going to tell you, we, we've got to do some housekeeping here real quick, Randy. If I had an emergency and I needed to talk to a vet during the night or somewhere during the day or the weekend, who would I call and how would that number be, Dr. Bob? I'm the only one that'll answer the phone. Nobody else in the entire state except the emergency clinic answers their phone. Well, what number is yours? 501-626-0237. Call me night or day and uh, I'll answer the phone. I'd like to know most of the time I'm up anyways. Well, <laughs> we, can't, we, we, can't even, we can't even get doctors for humans on the phone. Well, at, no, any time, at any time of the day. It's part can't. of the code. You don't talk to me after I'm done talking to you. <laughs> yeah. You got a point. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I told you about the finger, the little crookedness to the finger yeah, that you yeah, listeners know, can't it's see. Cool, it's cool. Yeah. He shows that finger to everybody, and they're not sure what his motive is. But uh, <laughs> No, I was going to say during that time, it was uh, I had uh, three surgeries and 11 months of misery. And during that time, more than once, I thought, you know, I don't know how good my doctor's doing, but I think Dr. Bob could do that good. <laughs> well, most of that stuff, unfortunately, we can do. It's just that we're not licensed to. Uh, I'd love to do some of that stuff. Yeah, I think you're a heck of a lot cheaper, too, but that's my personal well, opinion. Well, I am there, too, and I also... Uh, <laughs> I also kiss the wound when I'm done. Uh, no, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> for, for Hot Springs Village Inside Out, I'm Dennis Simpson. It's too much information. He's Randy Contrell, and he is Dr. Bob Zapecki. Call this man if you need help. Seriously. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by visiting our website, hsvinsideout.com, and tell a friend. 